listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on the show. If you have a fantastic professional services firm with an elite team, and your strategy is leaning on the wrong wall, you're not going to get what you want. And this is what it's all about in terms of marketing and business development. It's your strategy. And we talk about this today and more in our conversation with Eric Morgan. Our topic title is Deciphering the Significance of Strategy. We go pretty deep into some of the topics that he's sharing with us today. Now, he works as a marketing and advertising executive within certain niches. Those might not be applicable to what you do, but the concepts absolutely are. Make sure you connect with Eric on LinkedIn. Check out his website, which is on the show notes, wherever you listen to your podcast, check it out directly. We always have those links posted there. This is an interesting show. I think you're going to get some great insights and some deep insights, especially if you're involved in formulating strategy for your own professional services firm or even your own individual practice. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Also, if you're in the recruiting industry, check out the placement club.com. It's a learning community that'll help you learn how to become a top producer. Thanks for listening. And I hope you get some great ideas from my conversation with Eric Morgan today. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got our special guest today, Eric Morgan, and our topic is deciphering the significance of strategy. Eric, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. And I love uh, talking about all this. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think that in business development, I think if you have a fantastic offering that is well designed and has excellent components, but it is leaning on the wrong wall, you will not get what your goals, what you set your goals are. And it's right. all about the strategy. So so we're going to dig into this and and help me with some working definitions. When you think of marketing and client development strategy, what are the first things that pop in your mind, Eric? The strategy is addressing the purpose and reasoning of why you're going to a market. You know, nowadays, so many people just, they confuse strategy with like a tactical thing. Well, my strategy is going to be, let's do more billboard. Or let's do more content. That's not a strategy. Mm-hmm, really. mm-hmm. So for us, strategy really is looking at a, a marketplace, whatever industry you're in, And saying there's a space that I can own in that. And this is why that makes sense. And this is why it's relevant to a group of people that are on the buying side of of this relationship. And so the strategy is going there. You know, strategy is I'm going to support them in this way. And then you build a marketing campaign around that. So this, this marketing strategy actually is derived from partially a business strategy. Okay, good. So let me let me kind of pick apart some of the things that you mentioned in there. The first thing that you said that I thought was really interesting, why you are going to a market. I mean, for me, the obvious answer is because we can make tons of money. We're going to be like Scrooge McDuck rolling around in piles of $100 bills because we can make money in this market. But I know there's a deeper why to that. When, when someone is looking at why, or, or let me rephrase it this way, when you have seen successful businesses that have employed an effective strategy and they've reached the results they've wanted. What do you think their why was, Eric? You know, it's tied directly to what the consumer is looking for. You know, if, if you look at everybody's got a 
pizza or everybody sells tennis shoes. All right. All these tennis shoe companies, you know, it become a commodity. And at some point, a client, a customer, a purchaser has to make a decision on why one over the other. And strategy as a brand is what you're putting out there. And it's why our product is better. Whether that strategy is, you know, I support communities or strategy is we're tied to a lifestyle for this particular shoe. You notice that a lot of these these shoe manufacturers, and that's easily relatable, is they're not, put my shoes on, you're going to win a gold medal. They can't promise that. But instead, it's, you know, just do it. It's that lifestyle. It's supporting yeah. somebody. You know, for Under Armour, it's we're going to shine a light on the, the dedication and sacrifice, all right? I have sacrifice. I got up at 5.30 this morning, went to the gym for an, a little over an hour, and then I come home and I grab my daughter and bring her to school. You know, the sacrifice is, you know, I don't have a glass of wine or whatever the night before because I know I'm getting up early and I want to I want to be 100%. That's what Under Armour wants. Under Armour wants to speak to me because they appreciate and they're going to support my my dedication and my sacrifice. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, I mean, that seems like a real nuanced strategy, don't you think? You know, when you think about it, yes, it absolutely is. But the the goal of a strategy when you have a brand is to go to that marketplace and figure out where you can live as a brand and thrive. And it makes sense for the customers and you're going to relate to a group of customers. I mean, you, right. you want you want to be able to stand out and go, this is what we're about. This yeah. is why we're here. You're just another commodity and you're fighting on price. Yeah, right. And that's and that's what I've seen a lot of people in the professional services world do. The mistake they make is uh, we can charge a lower hourly hourly cost. And that's what they lead with. And if that's the only thing you have to talk about, then the, it's a race to the bottom, so to speak. It, it is. It is. And, and you've just got to have more substance. And there's got to be a better reasoning for why you're going to market. You know, and, and that's it's that you're helping somebody's life. You're you're solving a problem. You you know, you're accomplishing something for them. And so that's what really strategy is about. Yeah. So so let me do this then. Let's just say you're consulting to a professional services firm that wants to open up an office in a certain region where they don't have an existing presence and they have clients that are in that region. They know that they can maybe acquire a firm that's already there either way, however, they're going to do it. They want to open up an office in that market and you're consulting with them about strategy. What would be the first thing on your mind that you're looking at in terms of advising them to think about, about strategy, about opening up that office? The easiest spot, the easiest starting point would be, let's look at what the competitors are doing. Let's look at the landscape. Let's look at needs that are not being addressed and create that, you know, if you think about, you know, four quadrants. Most of the competitors, depending upon what industry you're in, are going to land probably lumped together in in one half, you know, top corner, bottom corner or something. They're all going to be clumped together. There's going to be some white space, some open space in those quadrants that the firm can own. And so that's really what it is, is how do you become distinctive? Mm. And I use the word distinctive. I don't like using the word differentiation. It's not bad or anything. I just... You want to be distinctive, all right? Yeah. You want to have some value offering there. And you've got to be slightly different than the others. The, the more difference, greater, you know, the great. But that's really what it is, is you can't go into a market blindly and just start saying the same thing. 
that you've said, because it might not be applicable to this geographical market. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. I like what you said about distinction. And that's something that I believe also is important. When I work with law firms, helping them to recruit talent, one of the first things I'll do, and I'll never forget the first time I asked a law firm chairman this, I said, what is it that you can say about your firm that nobody else can say about their firm? And you can't use the word culture because everybody thinks they have a great (laughs) culture, right? And the problem with that is that everybody has a great culture. That's table stakes nowadays. I remember one firm, I asked him, you would have thought I asked for a moment of silence because he, it just took him a while to kind of think of something. But one thing he said is that we have people on staff that do business development coaching for our partners, and we have a full-time integration person on staff to help them integrate. So I was like, well, we're getting warmer here. That's, that's unique, I think. So what have you seen with companies that you've worked with in terms of distinction? What has really worked well? And I know that everybody's situation is different, but what's an example of a firm where they had some real distinction or any, any type of business when they pursued a certain marketing strategy, but they were distinct? And how did that distinction make a difference for them? You know, one client that comes to mind, not naming names, but, you know, they're in a, you know, big law firm and they're in a tall, high rise building, but they did just a little bit different approach where they created a kind of a customer service center. Hmm. Where instead of you get on the get on the elevator and you go up to whatever floor and all, they rented space on the first floor of that building. So that way they could have a customer service center. And it's comfortable, it's beautiful, it's clean. But when their clients come to have an appointment with their their law firm, their their attorney, they have a private room in that little customer service area. And so you're not in this giant, you know, office space, but you're in this very warm and very inviting because, you know, you're talking about legal here. You're, you're right. And a lot of, a lot of, depending upon what kind of law you're practicing, a lot of people, it's foreign to them as a, as a client. It's yeah, really foreign. Right. And so it's overwhelming. So creating this warm environment, this inviting environment that was first floor, easy to get to, kind of almost like, I won't say concierge, but definitely VIP service. Just that extra little touch, you know, that extra little attention to detail from a touch standpoint is distinctive, is is huge. I mean, you get treated like royalty and the red carpet rolls yeah. up for you. So it was just things like that. That's interesting. I've seen it before where distinction, and we could probably categorize them, one of them could be in terms of their offerings to their clients. How we offer this to our clients is distinct. We're the only professional services firm that has this type of offering. Or we have a certain protocol in terms of a process. We And, and I've seen some recruiting firms that do headhunting because I work a lot in terms of coaching with recruiting firms. So I've seen a lot. There's one search firm that actually took their process and got ISO 9000 certified or whatever that is, some yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. standard certification. And I thought that is interesting. They've taken what we all do and they have gotten granular to the point of detailing and flowing this out and getting certification on what they do. If I was a company looking to retain a firm, that would be the company I would choose. I mean, of course, except for me, you know, I, I, would, I would work with yep. that firm that has something distinct like that. So I guess we could kind of look at different categories, people in terms of processes, in terms of offerings that they have, in terms of the way their product is built at their own manufacturing all those things. Are there any other categories or any other examples that you've thought of in terms of what's distinct and how that can impact the strategy? You know, going back to the whole VIP role, 
I have uh, healthcare. We have so we have a separate division that handles healthcare. Mm-hmm. And one of the hospitals that was acquired into this system that we work with, they have a literally a concierge service. And it's kind of in the same line of what I was just talking about. But like if you're in the hospital, they offer concierge service. Well, they'll go get your mail from your house if need be, if you're in the hospital for an extended day. So they have hired a third party company to offer, you know, some level of concierge where you can go out as a look, you're here, you don't have a lot of family in town, you've got some basic necessities, and we're going to send somebody to go pick up your mail. And they're going to bring you your mail. Just those little, you know, touches. Now, there's, of course, just different, you know, training programs, we see onboarding processes, Uh, about culture. It's great, but everybody's got a culture, whether it's good or bad, everybody's got one, but it's how do you do it our way? And, you know, you think about, you think about Ray Kroc with McDonald's and things like that. It's like, we have a special way of doing things and that can be that point of distinction. And, And it can be powerful, you know, the touch points, making sure that a new client who comes through the door is engaged in certain ways, one, two, mm-hmm. three times. Before they, I mean, look, we all experience it at a restaurant. You know, yeah. you're standing at the at the, the hostess counter and like, I'm waiting, nobody's come to me. Do I sit myself? What do I do? You know, then they sit you at a table and in 10 minutes goes by, nobody's come to greet, greet you. Nobody's brought you a glass of water saying, welcome to the restaurant. You know, it's those opportunities that, you know, we're talking, you know, just touch points, but this feeds into branding. This feeds yeah. into strategy. Absolutely right. One thing I've noticed that when I work with firms and they're interviewing partners, and these are significant partners from significant competitors, and that partner's taking the time to take a look at this other firm, even if that partner doesn't choose to move and join that firm, that partner still walks away with an impression. But I've noticed that Bad news travels faster than good. If it's a bad impression, then they like to talk about, well, I'm never going to go there. They couldn't even respond to me in time. They delay, delay, delay. I can't understand how they'd be effective at anything else if it was such a bad experience, even being considered for that. So I think that's something to be mindful of, that everything that we do is a brand exercise. It's a marketing exercise. Uh, So let me kind of bring it back to strategy here, because I like, I mean, I like the fact that this rabbit hole goes pretty deep in terms of strategy. When you've worked with organizations, And maybe it's not an organization that you've worked with. You've seen, let's say, a household name start something and it failed because of strategy. Are there any examples that you can think of where something just could have been tweaked a little bit in terms of the strategy where it could have played out really well? Or is there anything on your mind that you've seen in the business world that you've come across before? Yeah. And and unfortunately, it happens a lot. And the larger the organization, probably the more likely it's going to happen because you know, this great idea or this great positioning, you know, it it always starts out great, but by the time it gets touched by a bunch of different people down the process and becomes an executable idea on a marketing campaign or what have you, it just gets butchered. And so this, this idea of, Hey, we're going to talk to this group of people because they have this need and they've got this life threatening injury or this problem that we're going to solve. And, this is the this is how we're going to stand apart and bring value and bring you know amazing legal representation to them. And this is the the message we're going to do, and this is the positioning we're going to take, and so forth. Well, it just gets butchered. And unfortunately, people fail to keep, you know, it's it's a game plan. Unfortunately, people forget the game plan that we all agreed to. We signed this document 
three weeks ago, six weeks ago. And here we are so far off course that, you know, it doesn't even look like what we talked about initially. It's like, oh my God, what were we doing? I mean, we, you know, we, we failed ourselves. We failed the brand by not being, not honoring and being true to what we set out to do. And so it happens often. It really does. And I'm one of those people that the longer things drag out, the more restless I get. I'm just, it kind of gets that wear out factor. And I'm like, no, we got to, we got to move on. I mean, you know, and so I often tell people, let's just stop. Let's go back. Even if it's going to set us back a day or two, let's go back Mm -hmm. to the beginning. Why did we set off on this journey? And what is it we were trying to accomplish? Because what we're dealing with now doesn't sound anything like what we were talking about the other day or three weeks ago. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's good to have that clarity and also to keep going back and saying, are we really going to where we said we wanted to go? So what do you think are some of the pitfalls that business owners, entrepreneurs, executives, team leaders, that they fall into as they're starting to develop their strategy? I chalk it up for knee-jerk reaction. They they want to keep up with the Joneses. They want to they oh, so-and-so, my competitor down the street, you know, the, the firm down the street, the company across town, they're doing this. So we yeah. should be doing it. And it's like, well, that might work for their strategy, but let's think about this. And does it fit for our strategy? So not being disciplined enough and using, you know, why we're going to market as as a guiding North Star and why, you know, let's just not, you know, let's just not jump to conclusions. And, you know, let's do what's right for us, for our brand, for our staff, and the ultimately, the obviously, the clients. But let's just stay focused. Don't get distracted by the competition. Do what's right for us. And it does work. And there are chances that it might not work, but you're going to learn an immense amount. And then you're going to be able to optimize and tweak. If you go and do what the next people are doing down the street, the competitors are doing down the street, you know, why didn't it work? Really, it's not right for you. It's not built. So let's say we're consulting then with this owner of this uh, professional services firm or division manager, whoever it is. And they've got a clear why why they know they're going to win, how they're going to solve problems for their clients, what their points of distinctions are. They've looked at that white space. They've looked at the quadrant areas. Where can they really fill in the gap where their prospects aren't being served? And they start walking forward. They have all these things that you think they have done correctly. How can they start measuring their progress to know if they're on path to where they need to be or if they're getting a little bit sideways away from where they should be going? Well, it's funny they say measuring because I wasn't sure where you're going with that question. But <laughs> what my reaction was going to be was make sure they know how to measure it before they start rolling it out, because that's one of the biggest things. Because early on, if you measure it correctly early on, you'll be able to make course corrections if needed. So I would put points of measurement all along. And look, there's a couple of ways you can you can measure things. I like to divide them up into buckets. So you've got advertising type points of metrics, you know, and that's standard impressions and clicks and things like that. Then you've got marketing type uh, metrics, which are more of the, did I get a lead? Did I get a form? Did I get a phone call? And then there's the business metrics was marketing qualified leads, are we talking about great conversion rates and so forth? So along this path that customers, that that the firm's ultimate customers are going to take, I would say that journey from they wake up one morning, they need to hire this particular type of firm, they've got an awareness, they go through the research and consideration, narrow it down, make a decision, and ultimately hire the firm. You know, 
put metrics in at different points. So mm. are you creating that that awareness that you wanted? Is the word on the street? Are you seeing people clicking on your ads? Are you getting the reach and the engagement out of the messaging that you are hoping to get? You know, is the is the is the are the KPIs there? That's great. Um, then as people go through that that customer journey, you have measuring points of measure. All right. How many forms did I get? How many calls did I get? What's my intake process look like? Are these quality calls? And then communicate that on a regular basis. We we require the clients that we work with to have access, provide us with access. So that way we can look at this at least on a weekly basis and then go, what was different that we did last week that that created this lift this week? You know, what's the the chemistry and the, the recipe that we had going on last week that had this great result or, you know, unfortunately, a bad result? Right, great. Yeah. The creative is starting to wear out. The messaging is wrong. You know, we ran into this market and we we weren't completely done with the brand awareness. And we were trying to jump too quickly to that call to action to make that phone ring. So let's go back and do a little bit more brand awareness so that people understand, are educated about the brand and what we stand for and why we're distinctive and why we're different than, you know, the competitors that are already here. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And I like, it's very simple. It's common sense, but you have to do it. You have to measure that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So if you could put, let's say we've got two different categories of companies, those that have have been successful in their direction, in their strategic approach, how they've measured it, all the research they've done, and then those organizations that haven't done as well, that were so close. What do you think some of the easy fixes are? Why do you think most of those organizations that don't reach their goals in terms of strategy, why do you think they usually fail? And what are some easy fixes? What are kind of the easy mistakes that they just missed along the way that could be easily fixable if they'd known better? I would say just too often we see that firms don't have a strategy. They or they don't do an audit of sorts to say, What's working and what's not working? And then they go, well, how do we tell that? And I'm like, okay, then you don't have an analytics program. So you don't, you're not measuring everything. And you know, the old saying, you know, what, what gets measured gets managed. Yeah. So I think it's, it's putting that emphasis on strategy and the analytics so we can measure it because without that, you're flying kind of blind. The ones that do it really well have that attention to detail. They understand the customer journey. They understand what their clients need, and they're building something to address those needs and have a presence in the content of that those needs. Hmm. And they're measuring it along the way, every way. It's not a 30-day, oh, how did we do last month? How did we do last quarter? It's real time. How yeah. are we doing? I've got, you know, I do analytics in terms of a pyramid. And at the very top of the pyramid is some of the most important things. And then underneath those pair, underneath the layers, you've got things that support the, the layer right above it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So as we bring things to a close, Eric, if there were three action steps people could take to really get started implementing these ideas about strategy, what do you think would be the first, second, and third action step you recommend for them? Do a deep dive into what you really stand for yeah. and be be malicious on yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to find what you really are. Like you said, oh, culture is great. Everybody's got culture. Yeah. You know, that's not a standalone. That's not something you hang your hat on. So just be malicious. Taking a, a true assessment of your inventory, meaning you're like your creative, your messaging. What are you saying? And is it really living up and representing what you stand for? And is it standing out from 
uh, your competitors in the market space. And, and let me ask you about that a little bit before we go to our third step here. A true assessment of your inventory, how you're being perceived, how you're being seen in the marketplace, how would you recommend they do this? Would they hire a consultant? Would they have their colleagues do this? Are they too close to the message themselves? Should they have a third-party agency do that? What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's very hard when you're that close to it, especially if, you know, the the head of the firm, it's their baby. They don't want to call the baby ugly. And that that owner's direct reports surely don't want to call the baby ugly. You know, so yes, it's it's ideal to bring somebody in from the outside, a consultant, short-term engagement, just somebody who's in that space that can that can tell them the truth that unfortunately yeah. they might not want to hear. Right. And what's what's our final action step on that, Eric? You know, I, it's it's probably can I have four, but the third one is I'm going to be is is build an analytics program. Okay, the data. I mean, we are in an age where we have so much information at our fingertips build an analytics program. It starts small, crawl, then walk, then run. That's that's yeah. all you got to do. Just start small. I'm going to slip up fourth one in there and it's get your house in order. And what I mean by that is a lot of firms aren't taking advantage of free things like Google My Business. Get some reviews up there, put some great quality imagery up there. Um, just make sure that kind of stuff, your social media, make sure the about us and you got some great pictures and, and all that information is robust and it's on point. That's great. Eric, this is great. I'm glad you could be with us today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and the great advice. Tell us about your company. What do you do? What would you like our listeners to know about you and how you can help them? Yeah, thanks. No, this is this is fantastic. Thank you. So we're 27 years old, Rue Advertising, which is the legal side of what we do. Um, we have Morgan & Co., uh, which also handles hospital, hospitality, tourism clients. But, you know, our focus, my background is media planning and buying, but our focus is, is evolved into more strategy branding position to take advantage. We want to inspire brands and the people that lead those brands so that they can grow and thrive. Yeah. And we use marketing opportunities in the marketplace to, to make that happen. That's great. Well, Eric, we're going to put all of your contact information on our show notes. So anybody that's listening, go to where you listen to this podcast and look at the show notes and you'll be able to connect with Eric and his colleagues directly. Eric, thank you for being here today. And I look forward to having you on the show here in the future. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. It was fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.